like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. We're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now looking at my old friend. It's the crab dribble himself. He's not a crab dribble. He's not a crab. No, he's Scott Rafferty of Sporting News. Scott, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm sorry to this point that I am indeed not a crab, but uh, it's been a while. It's the first time we've done this on video, so it's it's all good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, how uh, how long have you been growing the beard? Like, what what are we looking at here? It's been a long time. It's, okay. it's pretty long right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's been a, probably a good decade since I last clean shaved. Really? Yeah. It's been a long time. What would happen? Like if you just clean shave with the wife and you just walked around, you're like, what, what's up? Like, what do you mean? And would she like freak out? Like, how does that go? Probably. Like, okay. I think, I think, it, I think I'd have a little bit of a baby face. Like I, I mm-hmm. on one hand, that's probably not a bad thing. I think a lot of people may want to look younger, but I think mm-hmm. I might look like six years younger if I didn't have a beard and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. Okay. Um, so what about yeah. mustache? Just the mustache. I have thought about it because I basically had like the same kind of beard this whole time. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about mixing it up a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not quite there. Anytime I think about doing it, mm-hmm. I just can't get to that point. Is so. it itchy? It looks no. itchy. No, no. You got to use beard oil and all that good stuff. And you're yeah, good to yeah. go. Oh, so you're yeah, the beard yeah. oil guy. You're yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is. You're not a novice. You know what you're no. doing. You've got it all ready to go I'm, every single I'm day. I'm deep. I got my beard brush and everything. I'm in. I'm in deep. Man, um, I'll do the goatee one day. I just, mm. I give up. I'm a coward, Scott. We're like, I'll grow this for a couple days. And then I'm like, nope, it's too itchy. I'm out. Like, this is driving me nuts. I can't get over the awkward portion in between, like, growing a beard and, like, this being patchy. This will, I don't know if that will ever happen, but either way. I get I don't it. Know. We'll see. You got, you got to commit. That's the thing yes. that's difficult with it. You really got to commit. So that's the other thing that's scary to me is, like, if I clean shave, I know I'm going to go through that period again. So I'm just, I'm just staying with it. I'm keeping it. Absolutely. Um, Scott, who have you been watching the most of the past week? I've been watching a good amount of the Pelicans over the last week. Um, I've watched a decent amount of the Hawks this season, actually. Um, That's unfortunate. You can turn us off if you I, want. Like you, you don't have to watch us. It's the I worst do feel like I do feel like we watch. talk about. I feel like we talk about Trey Young every time I'm on this podcast, and uh, it makes you very mad. But um, I, I also, I, I also enjoy watching the Suns. So those are probably the three teams that I've been watching the most of so far. Well, we can get the Hawks out of the way. They're not on my rundown. We can we can okay. talk about it because I want to get your perspective on this. I mean, <sighs> it's bad. Um, the vibes are bad. Um, how I how I like just tell other people about like Trey on the outside is Trey is a reply guy. Trey is not a poster. And I think that's something that a lot of Hawks fans are still they're getting closer and closer now with the latest uh, 
spat uh, with Nate McMillan. And uh, Ryan Russell made a good point about this. They went a little overboard on Bill Simmons' podcast yesterday about all the guards under 25 they would take over Trey. Like Desmond Bain was one of them. It's like, all right, let's let's calm down. Like there's there's a tipping point uh, here where it's like, yeah, Booker for sure. And like their guys, Jaw, yeah. Um, even Jaw, I might not because Jaw keeps falling and keeps doing crazy stuff where I'm like, I don't know. I know Trey's going to play basketball at a pretty high level for the next two, what, 10 to 12 years. He's not going to get hurt. I don't yep. know about Jaw. So there is a, a part of that with me that scares me about Jaw. But um, it's just he's not a leader. Like, it's just not in his nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Kevin Durant's not a leader. Like, Kevin Durant is just like, I just want to play basketball. I want to respond to people on Twitter. Like, I'm going to name search, that sort of thing. Like, it's just not in his nature. He still can be the second best player in the league or best player, depending on how he's playing. But it's not, you need people in the locker room to kind of keep those kind of guys accountable. You need other guys to step up and fill that void. And the Hawks don't really have that because DeJounte is not that dude either. DeJounte is so much fun to watch. DeJounte steals are something that I never knew I needed in my life. Like he's so smart as a defender and he's so fun to watch in transition. Like the, it, it is still just rough for me. They're like the Hawks. When you watch them, it's no surprise. They're one of the worst three point shooting teams in basketball. You watch it and you're like, I don't know. The passing's terrible. Bogey opens up a lot. Like in the OKC game, that was just uh, rough where they just let OKC go on a big run late and just never came back. Um, bogey was shooting lights out like in on a minutes restriction where he just had so many open threes and it's because so much attention is drawn to Dejounte and trey but it's a lot of your turn my turn like they have not even come close and i i said before the year where i'm like they still might work as a duo the problem is nate's not the guy to unlock trey and uh Dejounte. like it's just i i don't see him being that kind of coach the old school style coach of what we've seen in the past where i i think it's just going to be complicated to maximize this group and i don't think he's the guy to maximize you got to go outside the box to make this thing work and i just i don't think he's along for this team especially after a public spat with trey young the the franchise anchor that i don't know i i just it's not it's not working and i think when people look at the standings they're like oh they're fourth in the east they're it's like all right there's a difference between the Cavs, celtics and um uh bucks and then there's a significant drop off like the hawks are not one of those teams the hawks are not running the gauntlet right now uh they just it's not it's not fun the threes aren't there um the defense really isn't there (sighs) certain guys just still are not available you're not gonna believe this scott but deandre hunter still never available like the man will never play 78 80 games in a regular season and they need him to so bad um aj griffin's awesome which i didn't see coming like aj griffin he has removed the holidays from the rotation which was something i've been saying since like game two where i'm like oh god like justin like losing kevin herter for nothing and then justin holiday coming in shooting like 27 percent for three for the majority of the first 20 plus games was like I'm going to lose my mind. Like, what is happening? Why do you trade for DeJounte when Kevin Herter... Uh, everything about the Hawks frustrates me, Scott. Talk me off the ledge. I think this is hilarious, by the way. I think this is why I always bring up Trey Young and the Hawks, because <laughs> just I let, I let you go for like five minutes straight and just get everything off your chest. Yeah, it's like therapy. Um, it's a therapy session yeah. for me. I, look, I, I don't feel quite as doom and gloom about them. I, I do kind of like this team still. Um, the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray was always going to take time to figure out, I think. Like, just mm. on a very surface level, like... Big picture, DeJounte Murray is a guy who needs a ball in his hand, so does Trey Young. Trey Young has shown flashes of being a really good off-ball scorer, but it's not something he does a ton. Mm. Um, DeJounte Murray, the the knock on him and his offensive game throughout his career has been his three-point shot. He's improved as a shooter big time. 
But even just that, you know, figuring that out was always going to take some time. And they don't, as you said, have like knockdown three-point shooters around them. Um, so spacing is going to be a little cramped. But look, Trey Young's still super young. Like, I, I think it's e- it's so easy to compare him to Luca because they were in the same draft and everything that happened. Luca is just in a different level in terms of like leadership and everything like that. I think Trey Young could get there eventually. Like, I don't think that's a huge knock on him right now to say that he's not that guy. Um, but do you think I mean, that's his personality? I just don't think it's his personality. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but look, he's he's an awesome offensive player. Like he's not yeah. even shooting that well to start this season. He still just drives a ton of offense. And to your point, the amount of attention that he draws and everything like that. Um, I love Clint Capella. Always loved him. Think he's yeah. great for pairing with a guy like Trey Young um, and Dejounte Murray. I, I think the DeAndre Hunter, obviously, him being able to kind of take that next step and be healthy is going to be huge for them. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens with John Collins because I, I I like John Collins. I think he's a valuable player. Um, I think this. Year. Yeah, I know. But I, I think there's like other stuff in his game that a team can unlock. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't ever feel like it's really, really worked out for either side in Atlanta. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, he, he's always involved in trade rumors. I wonder if this is the time that he does get traded. And also, like, they have to kind of nail it, right? Like, they need to get yeah. a good return for him um, or at least someone who's going to kind of fit more of what they need, whether that is like, you know, a Jay Crowder who is going to shoot a ton of threes. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. a lights out shooter, but he's going to get him up and he's going to add spacing at that full. So I am fascinated to see how that kind of plays out. They're just not a serious franchise. You don't trade uh, Kevin Herter in this kind of deal. Like, Kevin doing just phenomenal work in Sacramento this year. It's You cannot, in the same breath, trade for DeJounte Murray, mortgage the future for DeJounte, and also just move on from Kevin Herter because you don't want to pay a little bit more in the tax. Like, that's that's just not serious. Like, you're not serious about winning a title. That's not what you do. And if you want to be the Golden State Warriors East, you don't do something like that. And it's just bit them so hard um, to lose that trade. And like you said, Collins is it. Like, they don't have any other trade tips. Like, you can't move Hunter. Um, he's too important. Like AJ Griffin is one you finally hit on. Um, Jalen Johnson has like Rui Hachimura, uh, itis where he's on the court and he doesn't have any particular skill. He's just Scratch running the up bingo card here. Rui yeah. Hachimura that's another one. He's just, he's a Rui Hachimura, <laughs> which is the worst NBA player that you can have where like they are on the floor. You watch them, you're, you're taking notes. And I'm like, this man could do nothing other than run in transition where you're like, he could dunk it in transition. That is Jalen Johnson's one skill is that he's solid and it, his dunks are cool in transition. He's not a good defender. He's not a good shooter. He's not a good passer. He doesn't do anything. Like, Jalen Johnson is out here getting cardio. At least Tony Snell, when he was out here getting cardio, he would be in the corner and shoot 40% from three. Like, that's, at least he's there doing that if you need him. Jalen Johnson doesn't do anything. Like, it, it just miss. Write him off. Miss. Out. <laughs> um, every Inyaka and Kongwu, uh, just bet anything around the rim for him is like pulling teeth where you're just like, Capella, you take it, you forget like how good his hands are and just his finishing ability and what he's able to do inside. Like, Inyaka is still not there. Like, he's terrified to shoot. And I thought the shot was coming because there was some offseason stuff about Inyaka where you're like, he's shooting corner threes. He's going to expand his game. And it's like, nope, that man, I think, is more scared to shoot this year than he was last year. Um, which is not a not a good thing when this team has no shooting on it, uh, really, uh, in most lineups. But Bogey coming back is he- great. Guess who has injury problems and has just never been right? Is Bogey. You know who's always healthy? Kevin Herter. What are we doing? This franchise is just going to put me in an early grave, Scott. Like, I hate it. Like, this season could have been so much more fun, and I just... I. Collins' trade value could not be lower. Like, what are you getting for John Collins right now? He's shooting, like, 27% from three. Yeah, it's not great timing. Um, and with him being injured and everything. No. I will say about Clint Capella, by the way, I think he's a great example of like, 
you look at like James Wiseman, right? Everyone is mm-hmm. just like, James Wiseman's huge. All he has to do is set screens, run. Like, it's easy. Yeah. But like, you look at Clint Capella and realize like how nailing all that stuff. First of all, having that buy-in of being like, mm. I'm just going to be, you know, protecting the rim. I'm going to set a ton of screens. I'm going to roll. I'm going to catch every lob. Like all these kind of things. Like how easy that sounds, but actually how hard it is to find someone who's going to do those things and do mm-hmm. them really well. Um, I've always loved Clint Capella. I always thought he's, he's kind of like a great running man center to pair with another star. He was great next to Chris Paul and James Harden in Houston. He's been playing well next to Trey Young in, in Atlanta. So Yeah, and they're close, yeah. so I don't know if they'll ever move. And that makes the yeah. Nyeka conversation more complicated because it's like if you're never going to have the space to just let him play 30-plus minutes a night to get comfortable with Trey and DeJounte, what are we doing here? Because he took him in the lottery. Like he's, uh, he's You need to eventually see what you have because you're going to have to pay Nyeka pretty, yep. pretty soon. So I don't know. The Hawks are just... They need a lot of shooting. They need a lot of help. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I am not quite there yet. But DeJounte uh, screens are fun, or uh, steals are fun. So that's that's what I have right now. Um, in terms of happy basketball-related uh, questions for you, Scott, um, the Lakers, have they turned the corner with AD? Yes and no. I, okay. I think they got off to, obviously, a miserable start this season. Like, you looked at the numbers at the start of the season. They couldn't buy a bucket. They had, like, the worst offensive rating in the league by a mile. Couldn't mm. buy a three. Um, and then recently, they've been significantly better. They were, eight and three over the last 11 games, yeah. I think, uh, after that Cavs loss last night. Mm. Um, I mean, they haven't beaten great teams during that stretch. They beat the Spurs three times, which is going to help <laughs> kind of juice your record. Yeah. But look, you, you know, you beat the teams that are ahead of you uh, or in front of you. You got to give them credit for that. They also picked up a, a, a great win against the Bucks. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, look, if AD is going to be playing at this level, like they're a different team, right? This is a team built around stars. Um, it felt like after that first Lakers championship, like I my, myself included, but I think a lot of people thought that AD was going to take that MVP jump, right? Like mm. he was going to establish himself as a top five player, be in the MVP conversation and defensive player of the year conversation. That obviously didn't happen, most, mostly due to injuries, but I think we're just kind of seeing that player now. Um, I mean, he's, he's just completely changed his shot profile. Like, you look at the numbers, he's never taken shots as close to, the, like, the shot distance is the closest it's been of his NBA career. He's mm. not selling for jumpers as much. Um, playing center obviously helps. Like, that's what we've wanted to see from AD basically his entire career. Obviously, the concern with him is health, just because this is a guy who's been banged up over the last few seasons. And I think now, you know, the fact that he is playing exclusively center, like, He's been pretty open in the past about how he doesn't like playing it because of kind of the wear and tear it takes to, to you know, battle for rebounds, guard these other big guys. So that that's the big thing for him. But I think, you know, like LeBron's looking for him more. Russ, after a really shaky start to the season, has been so much better in that six-man role. Um, and he's really feeding AD. Like the pick and rolls mm-hmm. between them um, have been doing well. So I, I think... To answer your question, I do think the Lakers have found something. I think there's more stability here. They figured out their rotation. If AD can kind of continue to play at this like MVP level, they look like a different team. I'm just not necessarily still buying them as like, you know, one of the teams to beat in the, the West. Like I think it's still gonna be really hard for them to kind of get in that get out of that play in territory. Um, I, I'm look at what is their schedule? Because like you said, the people are just like the Lakers. I mean, people want to put the Lakers back in. You want to have AD and LeBron back in uh the playoff chase but like i mean they're in toronto tonight and they no, lost no LeBron and AD. yeah you get the celtics and nuggets in a couple weeks um you go to philly detroit yeah you'll probably favorite there but then like you're at phoenix on the 19th at sacramento on the 21st at dallas on christmas i mean i see a lot of losses here like i just don't see 
they're not contenders. Like, I don't think there's enough here with this group, even with AD playing an MVP type level. And when people say that, I'm like, who's winning MVP in, in the plan? Like, we don't see that ever. Like, you have to win significantly more games for AD to enter the MVP conversation. I don't know why that's coming up, where, like, he might be playing like one, but, like, the Lakers are still going to be in play. Who do you have falling down in the West right now? Like, the Pelicans are breaking through, and we'll talk about them. The Suns, like, barring devastating injuries, I don't see the path to the the Lakers joining the top four with this group and just holding that on for 60-plus games. So if that's the case, like, AD has no shot of winning an MVP. None. Things are just so jumbled right now yeah. in, in both the East and the West. You know what I mean? Like, you talked about it. At the East, you have the, the Celtics, you have the Bucks. The East you, is done. We could just wrap it up. Like, it's just those three. That's, that's it just is. it. It is. Um, but the West, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. There's... The Suns at the top, Pelicans mm. only half a game behind them, and there's only 3.5 games separating the Suns at the top from the Warriors in 10th. Like, yeah. you go on a couple-game win streak, and who knows what you're going to look like next week. <laughs> so I, I think that's just the MVP conversation as an aside is just so fascinating right now because there's so yeah. many guys you can make a case for. It's like one day Luka Doncic looks like the favorite, and then suddenly they lose, you know, three out of four, and they're below 500, and then it's like, yeah, yeah. you... But that's that's just kind of that conversation early in the season. Luke is going to just start throwing basketballs at Mark Cuban on the side, where it's like Christian Wood. Is this is what we're doing. Hey, like, did you see what did you see what Jason Kidd said about Josh Green? I did not. Uh, the word superstar may have been involved. Oh, I'm um, talking Oof. about his potential and everything like that. Oof. So you can go to NBA Australia or uh, Gilbert <laughs> McGregor wrote about that. Uh, it, it was it was quite the quote. But um, yeah, look, either way, you know. The key thing for AD is can he sustain this for the rest of the season? That's a big thing. But I also think what do you he think? has Does been playing. He? I mean, the health thing is just so big. Like, it's just yeah. such an unknown to me. You know what I mean? Um, he was walking I, around like Kevin McHale in game one. Like, wh- why are we just penciling it in? Like, he looked done. Like, the back looked cooked. Yeah. Um, but he's, I mean, he's looked great, great yeah. lately. It's unfortunate that he left in, in that first quarter of that Cavs game with yeah. flu-like symptoms. So, hopefully, that's just... He misses a couple games. He's back to, to what he was before. But... Again, yeah, the health thing is just always going to be big for him, but his aggression and the way that he's kind of changed his shot profile um, mm. is, is super encouraging to me. So, I mean, how I, are they doing it though? Like when you're watching what they're doing schematically, how has Darwin changed the shot profile for AD? Like, is AD starting that? Like, what is he doing differently to set those up? You said that, like, obviously with the PNR, uh, with Russ has been has been good, but like, what is actually happen on the court schematically to put him in those positions it's different than what they were doing before they've been running a ton of empty pick and rolls so basically like russell westbrook or lebron james get in the corner Mm. or the wing run a pick and roll and then it's just when ad's rolling this because this team is limited three-point shooting right like Mm. they they won great start season they've been better lately but they're still not getting a ton up so i think like you need to work with any space that you can with ad but he's just Mm. been relentless going to the basket like floater range he's been he's been nailing it um and he's just been much more aggressive he's getting to the line a ton as well which i think you know that speaks a ton to players like him and then kind of their mentality and everything because I, I think ad is one of those players who like when he's hitting jump shots like mm. he's he's unstoppable obviously mm. but like that's almost like secondary for him right you want yeah. him feasting at the basket first and then when he's hitting jump shots it's like it's game over um but i feel like over the last two years he kind of settled for jumpers a little bit too much and maybe i think some of that also speaks to kind of the roster construction and him playing next to another big man who's not able to space the floor um mm. and when he's out there and he's the only big i mean the spacing is still a little cramped sometimes 
mean, Patrick Beverly is, is, has been a, a like decent to good three-point shooter throughout his career. He's really struggled to start this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Schroeder has been like shown flashes of being a good. He, he's been pretty streaky as a three-point shooter. The mm-hmm. point being, like Beverly Schroeder, you got Ross out there sometimes. LeBron, like they're still not great three-point shooters, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think you know him playing as physically as he is um, and maximizing the spacing the most that he can. I think all that kind of has helped here. The Pelicans may be the best story to me, where we mm. were pretty in on the depth of this team right like they just don't have like the thing about the pelicans i said before the year was that just that like one of the things that will be super helpful for willie green and i think it's an overlooked part of the nba and this part of the reason i think the sacramento kings have been better is they're just not going to play anyone bad like the rotation has no weaknesses where it's like you may not love every player in this rotation but they all are good nba players like the ones who are going to play minutes for this team are all good and have some sort of NBA skill. Like whether it's Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, you have Zion, you have Ingram, you go up and down the list, you're like, anyone who's playing right now for the Pelicans is a good NBA player. And I think that goes a long way in this league with these long seasons and injuries being a part of stuff. Like to just have a rotation and have a collection of talent surrounding the superstar talent and Ingram and Zion is just, I think it was under talked about. And now they're breaking through. Like they could be the number one seed in the West at the end. Like it always happens, right? We're just always surprised when teams make the leap. But it's like the Grizzlies were ahead of schedule. Like why could the Pelicans not just be number one in the West uh, this year and next year? Like that's how it happens when you have a really good uh, foundation. You have a bunch of depth. Like yeah, you can gobble up the wins. I guess for me, my one blind spot is I had the Wolves gobbling up a bunch of regular season wins, and that has obviously not happened. And the Pelicans have kind of filled that that vacuum for me but the it should not be a surprise that the suns the grizzlies and uh the pelicans i think are at the top of the west because those three have young talent that are popping in a significant way with booker uh with ingram zion and jaw and desmond bain too but it's like they're just deep as hell like those three teams are just even with jake Crowder not being there even with cam johnson like the guys that they play are so well coached all the top three they're just so well coached but also they're all solid. And I think that goes a long way. Is that a fair characterization of what's going on in the West? I think so. I, I was right there with you, by the way, with the Timberwolves. I thought, mm-hmm. at least in the regular season, I thought this was yeah. going to be a winning machine. Um, but obviously it hasn't worked out like that. But yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are just so deep. To your point, like, I feel like when they got Devontae Graham a couple yeah. years ago, like that was kind of a big deal for them, right? Like mm-hmm. he was coming off a breakout season and it felt like he was going to kind of shore up their, their point guard um, depth. And it's like, he's what, like that 10th, 11th man now? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of speaks to all these other guys that they've had during that time. Trey Murphy shooting the lights out. Herb Jones being the defender that he is. Jose Alvarado comes off the bench and scores, what, 38 points the other night or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was against the Nuggets. Like, they have guys who can just go off, but it's all built around this big three. Mm-hmm. Um, really, of Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum, right? Yeah. And you look at the numbers. I mean, they, they've been they've had their injury struggles. I know CJ's been was in health and safety protocols for a while. Zion has obviously missed some games. Ingram's missed some games now. But you look at the numbers with three on the court, like they point to them being really, really good. And mm-hmm. I think that's encouraging, super encouraging at the start of the season because like they, to me, they look like a team that's still figuring it out, right? Mm-hmm. Like CJ and Brandon Ingram obviously played next to each other last season. Zion didn't. Zion's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. So does Ingram. CJ can play off ball, but he's also the best with the ball in his hands. Like, is there enough touches to go around? And even now, right? Like Zion's playing, Zion kind of looks like the play he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, before his latest injury because he, he got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, which is to be expected. He missed all of last year. 
but he's back to, you know, 25 points shooting Shaq like 65% and obviously <laughs> playing points Zion too. So I, I'm curious to see if they can kind of figure that out or optimize it the best way possible when Ingram comes back. Um, that's the big question to me. But I, I still think, again, that number that they've, they've been playing so well together to start the season is super encouraging. And as you said, like their depth, this team just one through 10 feels like you can rotate guys in and out every single night and kind of sustain these injuries to even Ingram or or Zion. So yeah, it's like Najee Marshall, impressive. Larry Nance, Jose yep. Alvarado, Tyson Daniels looks like he'll be a player. Yep. I mean, they just have depth everywhere. And I think it's a healthy ecosystem and you can tell like um, TJ McCollum uh, has a 26% usage, um, which is only slightly below uh, Zion who leads the team at 27%. Um, you got Ingram at 28%. Like they're all even. It's not like where DeJounte comes in and Trey's usage somehow is higher than it was a year ago, which is like, that was not the point of this whole experiment. That was, that was on it. It was to lower the usage uh, from a lot of these guys and play more team basketball. That's not what's happening. They just, when you watch the Pelicans, you're like, the ecosystem is so healthy uh, with this group. Like what is the, what is your favorite five man lineup to watch for the Pelicans? I mean, I, I'm curious. I, they have to have the three guys out there, right? Yeah. CJ, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. I love Larry Nance. I've always been a huge fan of his. Um, mm. Injuries have, have been a problem for him throughout his career, but I just love his defensive versatility, the little stuff that he does offensively, the passing, his ability to play above the rim. And then really, so those four, and then switching out anyone that they need, like Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, if they need more three-point shooting. Um, I, I just kind of like that four, and I think that's going to be kind of a staple for them in the playoffs. Um, I, I love Jonas Valanciunas as well, right? Like mm. he's a guy who doesn't really get talked about as much. He does have his limitations offensively and defensively. I think he's, you know, he, he brings a lot of value to this team, but I still like the idea of putting Larry Nance Jr. Um, next to Zion in that front court, kind of when they need it most or, or, or when push comes to shove. I like it. Um, how do the Warriors get right, Scott? How does it happen? You know, I'm, I'm not that worried about them. Okay. I'm really not like they've gone off to a bit of a slow start of the season. Um, but I, I think, again, if you kind of take a step back, their starting five has still been absolutely incredible. Um, mm. I think they played the second most minutes of any starting five in the league to start this season. Mm. And that net rating is just off the charts. Um, yeah, it's it's plus 23 net rating. Mm. Um, I, I still just believe in that core. I think that five, you know, championship tested. Andrew Wiggins has been better offensively than he was last season. Steph's playing, which seems crazy to say, some of the best basketball, if not the best basketball of his career, um, at least in the regular season. Klay Thompson's starting to figure it out a little bit. He's getting his legs underneath him. And Draymond's Draymond. Um, the key for them is that that second unit has just struggled so much. Um, you know, you looked at them last year, being able to put the guys on the court that they could. Um, you know, Gary Payton, um, all that kind of stuff that they just had a good, reliable second unit of guys who knew their role and were comfortable in their roles. And I think just the makeup of this team right now, there's so many young guys, Jonathan Kaminga, like all these guys want minutes. They're also still just trying to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, and to be honest, like the Warriors, it's not the easiest, the Warriors offense is not like the easiest to figure out, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cutting, there's a lot of movement. Everyone's gotta be able to pass. Everyone's gotta be able to shoot. Um, a lot of quick decisions and everything like that. So I, I'm not surprised that the second unit has struggled as much as they have. I think Steve Kerr kind of moving Draymond Green to that second unit and leading them has helped a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, when everyone's healthy, um, I, I also think, you know, their rotation is going to shorten in the playoffs, obviously. So I, I'm just not that worried about them right now. They've been pretty good at home. They've been really good at home. They've been awful on the road. I, I think that's going to change. But I, I'm just, with how jumbled everything is in the Western Conference right now, 
Like, I think it would be different if it was like they're already eight games behind the number mm. one seed. You know what I mean? Um, but the fact that they're still in this mix, despite the slow start to the season, like, I, I'm just I'm just not that worried about them yet. If you were to send, uh, who, I believe James Wiseman just got recalled today. Um, he's always been rumored to the the Hornets. You're a bread and butter. Uh, just Charlotte always looking for some sort of uh, big rotation that they can count on. Who would you send uh, in a Wiseman deal? Who would make sense? It's an interesting question. I mean, it Kelly Oubre, he's been there before in Golden State. <laughs> that went well. Let's do it. Let's I do know, a redux. I know. It didn't go well. But at least a guy who can you know shoot, get after it defensively, kind of fill that Otto Porter Jr. role a little bit of last mm. season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes sense. Look, Gordon Hayward, uh, he's injured all the time. But like... The playmaking that if you put him it's almost like malcolm brogdon right like malcolm yeah. Brogdon's a great player um maybe overextended a little bit as a starting point guard at least from like being able to stay healthy perspective mm. you move him to the sixth man on a team and it's just it, it's 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 almost unfair um mm. not to say that necessarily happened with gordon hayward but like if they did have a guy like that coming off their bench playing 15 20 minutes a game take some of the load off his shoulders keep him healthy um i mean i i, I wouldn't hate that for them but huh um, i hadn't considered hayward yeah they're the two guys who kind of I guess, come to mind immediately uh, for me. I mean, this is going to be one of the most under-talked about what-ifs in basketball is if they had just taken LaMelo and not Wiseman. Like, what does this Warriors team look like? Do they still win the title with LaMelo and, and company? Like, I mean... Well, Halliburton, right? Or, or Halliburton. Yeah. Halliburton would have been... I, I The thing about that one is just like now we're doing revisionist history where it's like Halliburton <laughs> early. It's like no one had Halliburton early. Like, that's no bad. one... That would have been destroyed early on if you take Halliburton there. Like, that's... <laughs> Halliburton, I, I don't know. I think people are over the top. Like, he's just a great late find, but, like, the idea that they messed up by not going Halliburton there, I don't know. LaMelo, it's just, like, at the time, I was like, I would just take LaMelo and see what happens. Like, who cares? Like, let's just bet on your ecosystem with uh, Trey, Clay, or, excuse me, Trey, it's just on the brain, Steph, Clay, and uh, Draymond and see what happens. But, um, I don't know. LaMelo, it's just kind of sad. Like, are the Hornets just, for me, they're the worst story in the NBA this year. Because I had Clifford where I'm like, at least Steve Clifford's going to be able to like drag some wins out of this bunch. There's no thing yeah. Steve Clifford likes doing than making the eight seed in the Eastern Conference. That man's bread and butter is like, I am dragging DJ Augustine and company to an eight seed and we're going to make it horrible for whoever we play in the first round. That is RMO. They're just awful all across the board. Part of it's not their fault. Like the Miles Bridges stuff uh, was horrific and nothing you can do there uh, as a team like at that point you're just like all right well that's just an asset major asset gone for nothing um gordon hayward never healthy Lamelo not healthy you go up and down the list and you're like oh my god like you you whiffed on the book night or is how do you even pronounce his name is it book night boot night uh, i think yeah that has not gone well whatsoever um you don't get the hire you wanted and kenny atkinson he backs out so then you flip and why you didn't just hire mike d'antoni will just be a mystery to me forever i don't know i don't think because it's charlotte and they're under talked about but like i think the mess in the last calendar year for the hornets has been one of the bigger under talked about disasters in the nba and i don't know how you get out of it i think this is just rough rough all across the board you know how you get out of it how do you do it you get the number one pick in the nba draft well, the Spurs are like, like Spurs are like, I don't care what we have to do, but we're getting Victor Wimbiana. Like that's Greg's, uh, that's Popovich's last uh, gift for the Spurs is like, I'm going to yeah. do this tank for you guys, swallow my pride and do whatever it takes. I'll get you Victor and you have your next Tim Duncan forever. 
I mean, look, the, they're already the Hornets are already in that range, and yeah. they could trade Terry Rozier, they could trade Gordon Hayward, they could trade True. Kelly Oubre, and suddenly Lamelo Ball is still out with an ankle injury, and they <laughs> they just can't pick up a win or compete on a night to night basis. So I wouldn't put it beyond them. I think they could enter kind of those sweepstakes pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's not rough. I mean, you said it. The the Bridges stuff was obviously awful, but yeah. like. I, it was a huge loss for them. Like the yeah. guy was a borderline all star last year. You know what I mean? Now he's just he's just no longer with the team at all. Um, and you didn't get anything for him. It's not like yeah, he exactly. lost and you traded him. No, it's just like nothing. Yeah. So you combine that with Gordon Hayward not being able to stay healthy, Lamelo Ball being out, and suddenly, I mean, yeah, wins are nearly impossible to come by. It feels like so. Um, look, they still have Lamelo. I think that's the the one positive they have here. You know what I mean? They're probably going to get a high pick in the twenty twenty three NBA draft and. I'm not a big draft guy, but everyone who is is into that thing is saying how good this draft class can be, especially at the top. Everyone knows Victor Webanyama, but Scoot Henderson. They feel like um, a Scoot Henderson team. I don't know why. They just feel like a Scoot Henderson so? team to me. I mean, I, I have zero faith that if even if the Hornets finish with the re- worst record in the league, that they yeah. they get the number one pick in the draft. Like you, you go back to the AD MKG um, draft, that that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I just there's part of me that just thinks no matter what, even if they have the best odds, it wouldn't go in their favor. But yeah, Scoot Henderson, I don't know what that looks like with like Scoot Henderson, LaMelo Ball, backcourt. But I think mm. even if you're in that situation, you probably just take the best player and figure it out down the road. Because even if you can kind of build a competitive team for a few years, that's better than what they have right now. And you can kind of figure it out eventually. But all this to say, it is not great for the Hornets right now. Um, so I, I think even going into this season, they seemed like a team that was going to be competing for, you know, one of the worst records in the league and kind of being in those Victor Webinyan mistakes. But I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Obviously, why did the why did the Heat stink, Scott? Why are why are they bad? It's a great question. Um, they just they've been a very weird and one of the most unpredictable teams. I feel like to start this season. Mm. And look, I, I think some of it is Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup. He is easily their best player. He's a top 10, 15 player in the league when healthy. Mm. We've seen what he's been able to do in the playoffs in the past. Having him out there obviously helps a ton. But look, I mean, like, Kyle Lowry's shown some flashes. I, I think it's still safe to say that he's not the player that they necessarily hoped or, in, or hoped they'd have when they traded for him. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully he can kind of get back to that. But I think one of the positives is Bam Adebayo has been awesome. Like, mm. he, he does feel like he's kind of taken another step, um, especially offensively. Like, I still don't know if he's ever going to be kind of like a number one or number two option on a really good team offensively. But you pair what he's doing now with that defense, all def- like defensive player of the year caliber stuff. Um, he, he's just, I, I've always been a big fan of Bams. I think he's a really special player, but, um, I also think like losing PJ Tucker hurt them. Right. Um, I know it's, it's easy to kind of hate on PJ Tucker, especially when it feels like he's not taking any shots over like a 10 game stretch and can't score in double figures. But there's something to be said about a guy who one gets after it defensively and two also just knows their role and is really comfortable in it. And also in today's NBA, having a guy like a physical four, it's just, it's just so important. And I think that's why, you know, there are teams rumored to be interested in like Jay Crowder because he fills mm. that kind of similar role. Um, so I think that's awesome that for them in the bubble. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just a combination of things, to be honest. Um, I, I still not like Warriors level. Like I'm not concerned about them because there is definitely some warning signs there. Um, mm. But I still think I, I'm going to bank on Eric Spolster being able to, to figure some stuff out and still do enough. Uh, to where this team is going to make the playoffs, and then if they're healthy, like I still don't think any team's going to want to face. Jimmy Butler mainly, but even like a Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, who manages to get under everyone's skin. Um, but again, it's just, it, it's been a weird season so far. Like there's so many teams bunched up in both conferences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like 
the, the, the East is just so weird. You have a team like the Raptors who you catch them on the right week and it's just like, oh, this team has something that's special. Mm. And suddenly they get blown out in back-to-back games. Fred Van Bleek can't buy a shot. Um, Scotty Barnes is struggling a little bit. It's because um, the main guys are playing 50 minutes a night. Like, it's just one week that's yeah. like, how much time off do they get? Because they're you look at their box score. I love looking at the Raptors where it's like, it's like watching a college game with them where I'm amazed that they're able to do what they're able to do because they're like, nope, we're playing eight. And some honestly, if I'm Nick Nurse, it's like he's like, I, I want to play seven. Can I go six? Can I go six every night? Let's do that. He's got a playoff rotation in the regular season. Yeah, like that. He's the yeah. only one who does this year over year. We thought it was going to be like a blip where it's like, hey, he's just they're kind of thin and he wants to get maximize his group. It's like, no, I think this dude just really wants to play six or seven guys. I think that's yeah. his jam. I mean, the injuries, they've, they've really struggled with injuries. Pascal yeah. Siakam missed time. Fred Van Vliet missed a bit of time. Um, Otto Porter Jr. has only played like a couple games. Chris Boucher's yeah. missed some games. Like that hurts. Pressures of Chua's out as well. Like I think if everyone's healthy, the bench has been a big problem for the Raptors over the last few seasons. I feel yeah. like when everyone's healthy, like there's a roadmap to them actually having like a good bench or a decent mm. bench. Um, and when you pair that with what the guys in the starting five can do, like I we have a, a weekly podcast on NBA Sound System. Um, and everyone at Sporting News knows how much I love OG and Anobi and give, yeah. me, give me a lot of crap for it. But OG's been awesome this season. Mm. Like defensively, he's, he's playing like all defense caliber. Um, level offensively he's averaging nearly 20 points per game like him taking that lead Pascal Siakam the amount he's improved in his career is, is outrageous I know mm-hmm. he had that kind of hit a wall um, in the bubble struggled a little bit the season after but the amount the amount he just like levels up every single season so I think you know you have those two guys Scotty Barnes I, I have confidence that he's going to figure it out it's been a little up and down this season um, and and again Fred Van Vliet's a guy I'm going to bank on being able to kind of at least be a better three-point shooter I love what he brings defensively so I they're just another one of those teams. Like, I, I just think teams are still figuring stuff out. You know what I mean? Um, so if, if the Heat, if the Raptors and all these kind of teams are looking the same after, you know, 20, 30 more games, I think it's time to be concerned. But with just how jumbled everything is right now, like, I, I don't, I guess I don't know how much to, to overreact to things so far. Schematically, we'll end on this, Scott. Who have you enjoyed most from a scheme front? Who have you enjoyed watching the most this year? I, I really enjoy watching the Cavs. Hmm. Um, I, I love that that Lakers game was a lot of fun, but like, I just love their four. I love Jared Allen. I love Evan Mobley. I love Donovan Mitchell. Um, I love Darius Garland. I think they, they complement each other pretty well. They've hit that. There's, there's been some, que- you know, there were some questions going into the season on how well they could figure it out, how long it would take. Mm-hmm. Um, they look pretty comfortable altogether. I know there's some nights where it still feels like Evan Mobley could be more involved offensively to me, mm-hmm. um, but I, I was high going onto this call going into the season. Um, and they, I, I just love watching them. Um, the Celtics have been so much fun offensively. Um, they just play five out. They, I mean, they, I can't remember. They, they definitely have had the best offensive rating. Um, yeah, they, they still do by a mile. They're up mm. 2.7 points per 100 possessions over the Suns. Making a ton of threes, the way they move the ball. Al Holford stretching the floor out to the five, uh, as a five. Jason Tatum making that leap. Jalen Brown, it doesn't feel like he's getting enough attention for the season he's having. Um, he's just been absolutely awesome. And I love the guys, you know, Derek White filling his role. I love Grant Williams, um, what he does defensively, but also what he brings offensively. So I, I, I've just really enjoyed watching them, how much they've improved offensively. I am very curious to see kind of how Robert Williams III, when he comes back, mm-hmm. impacts everything. Because obviously they haven't been as good defensively. Like they were the best defensive team in the NBA last season um, by a decent margin as well. Mm-hmm. But like they've slipped a little bit on that end of the court. So I think obviously having one of the best defenders, arguably the best rim protector in the league, they should improve quite a lot defensively. I wonder if that him being on the court impacts their spacing enough where they're not by far and away the best offensive team in the league. 
but I also think you take that if you're going to be a top 10, top five defense again. So I, I'm curious to see how that works out. Um, the Jazz have also been fun. Like, mm. I don't know how much longer they can sustain this, um, but the way that Jordan Clarkson's been p- playing, you know, Larry Markinen, it's going to be hard for him to make the All-Star team um, in the West. Like, both both conferences, the All-Star teams are just going to be absolutely loaded this season. There's going to be so mm. many snubs. Um, but he's been great, and I just love what Will Hardy's done with this team, you know, what they've been able to do offensively. So those are kind of the three teams that jumped out to me that we haven't discussed as much today. I like it. I like it. Scott, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Sporting News NBA this week? We got we got lots of stuff going on. We always hammer the Raptors hard. Um, we got Lakers stuff. Steph No, our NBA writer, had a good story in AD the other day, um, so you should go read that. Um, lots of good Warriors games coming up. I just wrote about Luka Doncic and how his post-up game, how much he's improved. Um, not that we need to talk more about Trey Young and Luka Doncic because I know yeah. those are your favorite topics. But, I would love it. It's my but, favorite. But Luka is uh, posting up a ton this season, and I love any any guy who can uh, do the things that he can do in the post. Jokic the same way. So those are a few things that we have kind of going on. Luka was like, I'm, I understand the whole speed and tempo and all that kind of stuff, but I'd rather, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm Luka Doncic, and I want to keep the pounds. I want to... I just kind of want to do what Jokic is doing. He seems yep. like he's having more fun. He won back-to-back MVPs. I'm just going to take it easy. We're not running. Like, the running days, those are gone. We're not doing that. We're, we're jogging up the floor. We're going to make this look like a pickup game. And I think it's more disrespectful that Luke is dominating this way because you know it's coming. He's so slow and just post up. And it's like, what do you do? Like, you have the bench. Where was that bit, uh, the gif um, that I saw a couple days ago where it's like Luca is posting, was it the Suns? Who was it? Where he's posting up somebody and he clearly doubles, but like the ref misses it and the whole bench is like losing their minds at him. And I'm like, all right, if that's where you're at as NBA players, like you're just really dying on a hill of like, they need to call the double on Luca. It's like, all right, man, I'm like, he's got you beat. Like, who cares? Like do something else. Like if you're at the point, that's just loser territory to be like, Oh, that's a double dribble. How do you miss that? That's like what you see at high school games and stuff like that. It's like everyone does it. There's so yeah. many, there's so many carries, so many travels. They're calling John Morant's the season. king though. John yeah. Morant is the king of this. Yeah. But Luke, Luke is awesome. I, yeah. I will just, it'll never get old to me watching him. Um, yeah. You know, he, he absolutely dominates the ball, but like what he's able, the, like the pass he had last night against the Nuggets where he just yeah. looked off someone, hit it to Christian Wood wide open underneath the basket. Like the stuff that he does on a night to night basis, no one's doing right now. Um, he, he's just so much fun to watch. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think, you know, I, I feel like I remember when he came into the NBA draft, there was some concerns like, all right, this is enough. No like more. How high this is going to ruin my. Oh, I was going to ruin I'll just my. Say this. Yeah. There, were, there were some questions about like how high of a ceiling did he have? Like, yeah. is he is he relatively close to that compared to everyone Great. else? Mm-hmm. And it's like he's already All NBA first team, and he just continues to add to his game. So I I, I will never say enough good things about Luca. But yeah, I'll end it there. God, sorry. We started out with Trey, we ended with Luca. You what know if, I'm back. Man. You know I'm back when this happens. I know. Hey, it's it is what it is. Uh, let's look luca's awesome and it is what it is uh scott rafferty thank you so much for making uh the time this afternoon it was great to see you and uh to reconnect here on this very program and don't be a stranger let's do it let's uh, get back in our groove yeah it was too long man i appreciate it this has been ingram radio voice of the atlanta braves and i'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the chase thomas podcast as a friend of the podcast i'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one to show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker, or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves!
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.